That's right, Mr. Davis. It is time for us to once again take it like a Mandalorian. How are you doing, sir? Ooh, I'm doing good. I'm doing especially well after Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian. Uh, this was a very, very, very good episode as far as I'm concerned. Not much, not much happened, though, did it? <laughs> not a whole lot. No, no. But uh... <laughs> Man, this, this was definitely, I think, the most newsworthy episode we've had to date. It's the first time we've seen lightsabers being used in battle and everything. It was we found out little Yodito's real name and oh, what what an episode! Oh my god, just great stuff at every turn. I mean, look, I'm glad you mentioned the lightsabers. I mean, the first note that I took about this uh, about this episode was this was just excellent use of lightsabers for visual effect. I mean, they've always been, you know, a great visual and particularly sonic effect. I mean. Sorry, that's me doing a lightsaber. But um, the new movies, and particularly uh, this episode, um, I think they've taken advantage of them in really new and interesting ways. Look, jury's still out, and for a lot of people about the Last Jedi, but I think I don't think anyone can deny that that throne room fight with Kylo Ren and Rey. Uh, teaming up against uh, Snoke's Imperial Guard or whatever those guys in red was just really well done and just a, a, probably one of the best lightsaber battles you've um, you would have seen in a Star Wars thing. When I bought the 4K for that, I literally skipped to that scene and then just turned it off. <laughs> uh, let, look, let's not forget Rogue One, the end of Rogue One, where you know Darth unveils his fat red lightsaber and. That I mean, that's probably the best moment in that film, as far as I'm concerned. That's one and of the just, best, one of the best Vader moments we've had. I think that was incredible. I think so as well. And just and the opening, uh, the opening sequence of this episode of The Mandalorian, with um, set in this dark sort of misty forest and uh, lightsaber. Well, uh, the the dual lightsaber sort of shining in the uh, through the mist. Just an incredible visual effect. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, and it got the episode off to a fantastic beginning. We finally got to see Rosa, uh, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, and uh, yeah, she played the role to perfection. I was a bit weary, like how is she going to look as a real character, like in a, in a live action show. But I thought they captured the uh, the design and the look from Clone Wars very, very well. Made it made it feel real without looking too absurd. Um, but yeah, some of the some of the skills and some of the deaths in that opening scene were so kick ass. That one through the tree, how cool was it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it's got a very uh, a very Japanese feel. I think a lot of film nerds out there in, on social media have uh, they were doing sort of frame comparisons from this episode and um, you know samurai movies by the great uh, Japanese filmmaker Akira Kurosawa, particularly uh, a movie called Yojimbo, not Yojimbo Jones, but um, uh, Yojimbo, which is yeah, basically tale of a wandering samurai getting into scrapes and all that, and you can really see the uh, you can really see the influence there. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it was a fantastic looking episode. A very, an interestingly paced episode. I mean, they had terrific action. I mean, it wasn't necessarily sort of fast and furious action, but it was like whenever, you know, enemies were facing off against one another, it was very, very tense, very, you know, you were just magnetized to the screen as far as I was concerned. And um, that that whole sort of sequence in the, uh, I guess, in the middle where Ahsoka Tano is wording up Mando about Baby Yoda, or we'll we'll talk about his real name in a moment, about his background and all that kind of stuff, and you know, getting him to sort of tweak his force powers and all that kind of deal, it was very mellow. 
It's sort of like they come, de- they come down you needed before they get... Because if it just went from action, action, action... That last sequence was just full on action as well. If it was all action, it would have been exhausting. They needed that come down moment, and that was good. But not, not only was it good because it was just the come down, but it, because it actually gave you... like. The more information about Baby Yoda than we've had to date. It was, and just seeing him try to work out his abilities and discover who he is again, it was really sweet. It was, yeah. And I mean, it had a very calm and, I don't know, kind of zen feel to it. Like, very sort of meditative. I, yeah, yeah, I really I really dug that. And uh, also some just, you know, just good storytelling mechanics as well. I mean, that whole thing with uh, the little knob from the... Uh, you know, from the Razor Crest's uh, gear shift or whatever it is, you know, that uh, that Baby Yoda's just had its eye on from day one. Um, you know, there was a reason for the Mando to have it in his pocket as opposed to putting it back in the ship. And, um, yeah, that, that that was the little item that sort of prompted Baby Yoda to, you know, unleash his force powers or sort of take control of his force powers. I thought that was just really clever, really intelligent storytelling. So, Well, uh, well yeah. I think like th- 13 episodes in now, I think what they've done is they've earned our respect to the, to the point where everything happens for a reason on this show. So now if something happens going forward where you might not understand why or it doesn't really, it seems a bit out of place, you know they're going to mm. pay it off at some point. Like the the whole Baby Yoda playing with the with the the knob on the on the gear stick, whatever it is, just sort of felt like, eh, that's kind of cute, you know. He's just not, he's just not doing yeah. any, what he's told, blah blah blah. And then like a season later, it pays off. You're like, oh fuck, you know? Yeah. And the thing of it is, there's not a. I mean, I think a, the problem that I certainly had, and maybe a, a few people had with the most recent Star Wars movies. As they got a bit overstuffed, the other, and particularly with Rise of Skywalker, it's just oh, there's too much stuff in here. You know, we don't need Man- every ship ever made in the Star Wars universe on screen. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And Man- Mandalorian stripping it back, and uh, yeah, you're right. Everything not not everything means something, but uh, you know, they're finding good little connections and making you know connections that matter. So uh, and that and that, as, as, I, for the first time as a Star Wars fan, you need to have patience. I think so, absolutely, yeah. And I mean, in all honesty, um, hearing all this stuff about... Because uh, I I haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels, as I pointed out but uh, in the past, but uh, just the very presence of, of Ahsoka in this... Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Ahsoka? Ahsoka? Ahso- well, that's how I've said it. Oh, I've always yeah, said yeah. it, Ahsoka, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And particularly the way Rosario Dawson played it, I know that uh, the character is voiced by another actor in those animated shows, mm. but the presence that Rosario Dawson brought to uh, brought to the character, maybe hmm, I might have to go back and actually do a little, you know, <laughs> a little uh, required little reading up. Yeah, yeah, because um, it just struck me as uh, as really, really interesting. Well, see, I, I've watched probably, uh, I'm not going to lie, maybe only three or four episodes of Clone Wars, and it was really, really good. I just haven't had the time to go back and revisit it. But it's, it's, yeah, if you have the time to sit there and binge Clone Wars, I highly advise you go and do it. Okay, then. Well, I'll, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a, a long, long list of things to watch over here, but uh, I may have to add that to the list. Uh, what's some other good stuff in this episode? Because there was well, a we got lot. The, so we, we got a lot of teasers in this one. So, I mean, let, let's actually, let's just discuss uh, Morgan, played by Diana Lee. Ana Santo, I believe her last name. Ana Santo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, um, so she was a really great villain because she wasn't loud, she wasn't, you know, over the top, but you knew that she could fuck shit up if she needed to. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Diana Lee and Asanto, um, 
has a really interesting sort of backstory. She's primarily known as a stunt person. She did stunts on Blade, on Face Off, uh, Fast and Furious uh, Tokyo Drift. Bruce Lee was her godfather. So, no shit, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, her uh, her dad, da- uh, Dan Inosanto, was apparently like a, a fairly close confidant and either student or... Um, or a close friend of Bruce Lee and sort of okay. was, a, I won't say just as proficient in martial arts, but, you know, trained and, and worked alongside Bruce Lee with, in martial arts. So, uh, yeah, and Diana Lee has sort of gone on in that uh, in that vein. And yeah, you're right. She carries herself as, she doesn't need to advertise it, but she carries herself as someone like, oh, yeah, yeah, don't don't mess with this one. But the fact that she was willing to just take on a Jedi with a lightsaber just using the Beskar, what, what was it, like a Beskar staff, I guess you could say? What was it? Yeah, or spear. Yeah, spear of some kind. It's just like, I'm not sure how damaging that's going to be. But yeah, she held her own for sure in that battle. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, uh, and I like that she had, um, that she had uh, what's his name, Lang as a sort of uh, enforcer or offsider, played by uh, Michael Bean from The Terminator mm. and, uh, and Aliens. Now, he's a guy who, uh, you know, his career sort of had peaks and valleys and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there was an article in him in, um, I think it was The Hollywood Reporter not long ago, sort of talking about, and I think the undertone of the thing was, why was this guy never as huge as, say, you know, Bruce Willis or Mel Gibson? You know, and and looking at him here, it's like, I think I understand why. I think he was he was better at villains than he was at heroes. He's good. At, he's very good as Kyle Reese, but Kyle Reese is a pretty intense and wild-eyed kind of guy. I mean, he's very heroic, but, I mean, he's not a traditional square-jawed kind of hero. Hicks What's in a- Aliens is a bit like that, but mostly yeah, he yeah. sort of plays... Very intense, very, uh, yeah, dial it up to 11 kind of um, <laughs> kind of characters. And he's very good as villains. I mean, he's, he's terrific in Tombstone as Johnny Ringo. So uh, having him as a bad guy here, I think it's like, yeah, that's a good touch. Well, he's got, he's got a really good face for that role because you look at him and it's like, I feel like I can trust you, but I'm not entirely sure. But I'm gonna mm. trust you because you seem like a good guy. And Mando nearly fell for it. Mando's like, well, he didn't nearly fall for it, but he's like, I'm gonna hear this guy out first, and then fucking bang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the whole thing about like, eh, you look like you've been around the block a bit as well. Maybe you're honourable when it comes to like the ways of war or whatever. It's like, okay, okay, okay. No, nah, I knew I couldn't trust you, pal. <laughs> we also got at the end the mention of Grand Admiral Thrawn, another character from the animated series. So, um. Obviously, you would probably not know who Grand Admiral Thrawn is. Here is my note. Grand Admiral Thorn. That should mean something. <laughs> <laughs> so he's considered, I've done a little reading since then, and yes. Uh, he's, like, from Rebel, he's from Rebels, like, and he's considered one of the best villains in all of the expanded universe. So, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I don't think you can sort of drop a bomb like that and not, you know, I think that's someone where either, either going to be seeing briefly at the end by the end of this season or someone who's going to play like a significant role in season three well this is the thing so at the moment the big baddie you'd call it is moff gideon yes i don't think moff gideon has enough going for him to sort of be the ultimate villain in this entire story arc i feel like he's going to be like the transitional villain to who's now going to be grand admiral thrawn which is mm. one of those really good decisions in the sense of like creative decisions because it's one of those things where people who may not have watched Mandalorian but like the animated series, 
they would have been they would have got their attention with Ahsoka, so they would have definitely watched this episode for Ahsoka because that's what they would have gone. Oh fuck, our favorite character from the series is now in real life. So to drop that bomb in the same episode was genius because you knew that the people who were going to be drawn because of Ahsoka are definitely going to be watching this episode because there's no guarantee that Ahsoka is going to be in it for the rest of the season. You know, no. she could very well, she could very well just be a one and done. You know, you know she was just there to to. Uh, show a different side of Mandalorian, inform him um, who, or inform him and the viewers who uh, Baby Yoda actually is, and now she's off to do what she was already doing. You know what I mean? So I feel like she will return. Yeah. She's too, she's too big of a character to not return. But what I'm saying is, she doesn't have to if they don't want her to. But yeah, the no. fact that she, well, that that bomb was dropped in the same episode as Ahsoka was a genius move by uh, by Favreau and Filoni. Absolutely, yeah. No, terrific work by Dave Filoni, who, um, yeah, directed this episode. And yeah, I mean. Yeah, the presence of a of Ahsoka Tano in this and the mention of Thrawn just provides some nice connective tissue to the rest of the uh, Star Wars extended universe. Uh, look, it's enough. To, it, you're right. If nothing more comes of it, I'm pretty sure something will, will, more will come of it. But even if it doesn't, it's just like it piqued my interest enough to go. Hmm, I should maybe check out some of this other Star Wars stuff that's out there. What else is in there that was good? I mean, uh, um, ba- ba- we found out Baby Yoda's name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did find out about Grogu. At first, I heard that name and went, Grogu? <laughs> but then, as Roland, our dear American friend at work, said to me, yeah, but imagine the first time you heard Yoda. You know, you would have gone, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that as well. It's like, eh, look, it'll, it'll grow on me, yeah. But I mean, I think for the for the immediate future, he's definitely going to be still called Baby Yoda or Yodito. <laughs> but uh, well, for the listeners unaware, I work at, at Pop Culture, so I'm constantly listing items on our website and we call him the child, aka Baby Yoda. But it's like, do we now have to go back and change that to Grogu? Or mm. like, will, will, will the marketing going forward be the child or Grogu? Is he is he now officially Grogu? I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that, uh, yeah. Look in in official uh, Star Wars synopses, and that'll be like, you know, the Mandalorian takes Grogu to um, well, what's the next stop? Uh, Tython. The planet of Tython, I believe, yes. is the next stop, uh, as po- as pointed out by Ahsoka Tano. Um, yeah, I imagine they'll be saying Grogu, but look, I think all of us are going to be saying Baby Yoda. Let's let's not deny it. Uh- Dude, I was I was actually very surprised. I thought this was going to end with Mando going back to the ship and Grogu being gone, um, because we found out in the previous episode that he had a tracker installed on his ship. So ah, I ex- I expected yeah. that whilst he was busy in battle with Ahsoka, go, like trying to free that little um that little community, that whilst Baby Yoda was back on the ship, they would have got there and stolen him. I was I was just like, oh, I thought that's I thought I'll try to make that as obvious as possible. I'm just going back to get the child, and then mm. he was there. I was like, oh, okay, so they're tracking him. But, but we know that the uh, Moff Gideon is now tracking him. So where that's going to lead to, I'm not too sure. I guess now he's going to that. What's the, what's the new planet called? Sorry, that he's going to next. Tython, I believe. Tython, yeah. So maybe uh, Moff Gideon and his Stormtrooper crew will arrive there. But this is what I wanted to get to. So this was the most exciting thing for me coming out of it. And nothing was confirmed. It was merely a tease. But my my uh, vision's running wild, my imagination. Does this mean Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill is going to appear on The Mandalorian? It's... it's. <laughs> I think it's a distinct possibility. Yeah, look, I mean... I'm re- I'm really enjoying the way this show is very slowly, very gradually folding in, yeah, the the bigger Star Wars universe. I mean, it's not it's not in a rush to do so, and I mean, the way it's done so up to date, up, up to this uh, up to this point, it's been you know little Easter eggs and little 
call outs and shout out uh, callbacks and shout outs for the fans and that kind of thing but it does seem like it's ready to incorporate uh, yeah more sort of iconic characters and, and sort of larger uh, situations and, and that kind of thing yeah I don't think Mark Hamill is doing too much else I wouldn't be surprised if he could I, I think they could probably rope him into doing this absolutely so is, is, do you think he's going to be the, the Jedi that hears the call from, from Baby Yoda Quite possibly. Look, I, 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 <laughs> I, I wouldn't rule it out. Absolutely. There, yeah. Look, there was so much to enjoy in this episode. Just so much to enjoy. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I, it, and a lot of it was actually kind of um, a bit not not sad, but kind of bittersweet as well. I mean, that uh, Ahsoka, you know, sort of saying farewell to the Mando with "May the Force be with you." It's not like a real kind of yeah. It's more like you know, she's one of the last members of. Um, of this uh, of this order that sort of really believes in that, you know, she's the, you know, she's a bit of a dying breed, and that was that's a little sad. I mean, well, if you, if you watch Clo- if you watch Clone Wars, the, the title of this episode was actually not entirely true because she was sort of banished from the Jedi, not the Jedi Council, but from being a Jedi. I, I haven't watched it, but I've just read about it. Apparently, she was wrongly accused of something, and she was no longer considered a Jedi. So the fact okay. this episode is called the Jedi is kind of yeah. incorrect. But she does mention how there aren't many Jedi left. Um, mm. We know, but we, and we know for a fact because of the sequel trilogy that Luke Skywalker is still out there. So yeah. the fact that she said, "Put you know, put Grogu up in that rock or whatever," and someone, a Jedi out there, will will he, will sense him and come mm. to see him or come find him. It's like, is it going to be Luke? Also, going on about that whole sort of bittersweet thing. I mean, near the end of this episode, when he, when Manda goes back to his ship and he says, "Wake up, buddy! Time to say goodbye." It's like I can see the 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 a potential end game for this entire series is that, you know, eventually Mando and, and Grogu are going to have to sort of not go their separate ways, but, you know, he's probably going to hand Grogu over to, you know, to uh, a proper Jedi for training or, you know, for hand him over to someone else and they are going to separate. And they'll be like, oh, that's going to be actually really sad. I mean, uh, just, you know, they've, they've formed a really, uh, it's a really lovely bond between the two of them and, uh, you know, even just Mando saying, you know, when Mike, when, uh, when Lang says, what's that thing? Uh, I keep it around for luck. So <laughs> it's, I, I loved all that stuff. And I mean, yeah, this, I thought this was a, just a good episode in so many ways. Just, I mean, visually it's beautiful. There's a shot, um, I think you see Ahsoka Tano picking up Yodito and like framed in like a, like a tree or something. And there's this massive moon behind them. It's like, that's just gorgeous. Mm. That is that was just a really beautiful shot. Um, like I said, the action was wonderful. Um, yeah, the emotion was really strong and 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 not sort of sentimental, but felt earned. Yeah, I, I liked a whole lot of this. It was actually really interesting what we found out about his um, baby Yoda's past as well. So he was part. He, he learned uh, much like the other younglings. And when Order sixty six was uh, was unleashed, he was taken away. We didn't find out by who, but he was taken away by Jedi, and he was rescued yeah. from the, from the rest of the younglings. That was slaughtered by Anakin Skywalker. So we want to find Indeed. out who rescued him, and we got to yeah, find out did, that. Yeah. So it's it's, it's did, a did lot, you have any, a lot uh, to unpack. Yeah. Did you have any? Uh, any? It's it's got to be. It's in my opinion. It's got to be either Obi Wan, Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan, or Luke yeah. Skywalker. I'm thinking it's got to be Obi Wan. That's what I'm thinking anyway. But no, um, I think Kenobi. Yeah. Here's the interesting part. So they say fear is the first step towards the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. And they mention in this episode that. Uh, Baby Yoda now has this fear of being separated from Mando. So, is this a C plant for an eventual heel turn for Baby Yoda? Oh, 
they couldn't do it to us, could they? No, well, they could. They could. You know, in a season or two, if they wanted to. It'd be fucking. It, it would be something that no one saw coming. Maybe, maybe. Oh, I hope not. He's so cute, and as we saw in this episode, he loves playing with his knob. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all, Mister Davis? But uh, thank you for listening to our review of Chapter Thirteen of The Mandalorian. Next week we've got Chapter Fourteen. Obviously, let's see what Chapter Fourteen is called. Do we know yet? I don't think they announced until it actually airs. Do they? I don't think they do. No, so it's always a bit of a pleasant surprise. Yes, yes. So let's go to our season two. Let's see if we know who's directing it. So chapter 14 is uh, no, just written by John Favreau. We don't know who directs it just yet. I love the fact that they, they've managed to keep it all a secret. You know, it's yeah. not very often anymore. Big things like this, secrets like that, even like the fact that we don't even know who directed the episode, like that's incredible. You've got to give Disney a thumbs up for that. Um, but yeah, and the fact that they kept things like Ahsoka a secret and all that other stuff, like I just, I can't praise Mandalorian enough. The fact that we only have three episodes left this season, it makes me really sad because it's now just really starting to kick into second gear and it's nearly finished. Absolutely. Uh, well. But let us know what you think of The Mandalorian. Send in your questions to takealikeamandalorian at fourfigurediscount.com.au. Just have a question for Guy myself. We'll answer it on next week's show. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our incredible listeners out there? Oh, uh, just that I formed a strong attachment to you, Dando. 